Grace to you and peace from God our Father and from the living Lord and Savior Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. In the early years of my ministry, the early years, there were many televangelists and so-called church growth experts who encouraged young pastors like me to get with it and to grow our congregations by telling people how church membership would solve all their problems, make their lives easier, make their lives better, and make them more successful in all their endeavors. Their message was basically this, get you some Jesus, and Jesus will do his job and get you rich. Some of those televangelists wound up going to prison, as you may recall. Some are still spreading to this day their message of prosperity. You know who they are, I imagine. I do believe, I do believe with all my heart that belonging to and participating in the life of an authentic Christian congregation is a blessing beyond measure. I do believe with all my heart that Jesus Christ alone is the way, the truth, and the life, and that every single one of us should do our part in leading others to Christ. My life is better, eternally better, because of Jesus. And my life is not just better. My life and your life has been saved from certain death and an eternity of darkness. And the Savior is Jesus. But I cannot tell you as a pastor of the Lord's Church that I believe following Jesus is easy. (laughs) Or that Christ died on the cross so that we might be successful as the world defines success. Following Jesus may very well cause people to unfriend you. And I'm not talking about a little click on Facebook. Unfriended. I'm talking about real life, real friendships. And some of you know this. You've been unfriended because you took your stand on the Word of God. Obeying the Word of the Lord may cause others to ridicule you. Obedience to God may cost you dearly. It may cost you your life. Uh, The good people in an organization called Open Doors... Uh, who monitor persecution against Christians around the world, estimate that last year alone, last year alone, at least, and this is documented, 90,000 plus men, women, and children were executed because they had faith in Jesus Christ. So I didn't follow the advice of those experts back then because even when I was only in my 20s. I knew of Christians who suffered greatly. Not because they were in the wrong place at the wrong time. They suffered because of their obedience to Jesus Christ. They were faithful. But this world, this tired old world, would never call them successful. They spent time in prison cells. Some were tortured and more than a few were put to death. 
Those in our congregation, as I preached throughout this morning, too young to remember, should study the lives of uh, three Christians I'm going to mention this morning who willingly suffered for Christ and his church. You older members who haven't heard of or studied the lives of these people should do the same. I believe their stories will inspire you, challenge you, encourage you, and bless you. They've done all those things for me and millions of others. Dietrich Bonhoeffer was part of the resistance movement against Adolf Hitler. He was arrested. He was executed on the 9th of April, 1945, at the German concentration camp at Flossenburg just two weeks before our Allied troops liberated the camp. When most of the so-called church in Germany was selling out to the Third Reich, Bonhoeffer was one of the few who dared to speak out and act against the evil that was Nazism. He died when he was only 39 years of age. He didn't get to marry his sweetheart and raise a family. He died young. And he died for Jesus. Alexander Solzhenitsyn dared to speak out against the evil that was the Soviet Union. And as a result, spent eight years in the misery of a Russian gulag, their version of concentration camps. Uh, No one could say, not even the televangelists, that following Jesus made his life easier or better by worldly standards. But while in prison, God brought him to a greater and deeper faith in Jesus Christ. He was um, kind of a nominal Christian, but behind bars, he became devout as a member of the Orthodox Church who spent the rest of his life speaking out against tyranny. Oscar Romero delivered a sermon on the 23rd of March, 1980, in which he called on the Christian soldiers in the army in El Salvador to listen to and obey God's higher calling and authority on their lives and stop carrying out the government's repression and violation of basic human rights. He was shot to death at the altar seconds after finishing his sermon at the age of 61. He didn't get to enjoy retirement and beautiful sunsets on the Pacific beach. Those experts, brothers and sisters, back in the 80s, were the first of the so-called prosperity preachers who twisted the gospel of Jesus Christ from pick up your cross, get in line and follow me, to God wants you to be a millionaire. And God wants you to have everything you've ever desired. And by the way, this was long before Joel Olstein was doing his thing before thousands in his so-called church at Lakewood. And this is how one Christian writer by the name of Dustin Germain describes what goes on at Lakewood. Listen to this quote. The gospel of Joel Olstein is that God loves you and wants to save you from a life of mediocrity and small dreams. If you believe God and are obedient to him, he will give you a life that includes big dreams, self-esteem, favor, health, wealth, influence, a better job, a positive self-image, and a fulfilled life free of negativity. That's it. That's what it's all about. This is the sum of every book, every sermon, every media appearance, every tweet of Joel Osteen. That being said, listen, there's something very important to understand about Joel Olstein. 
He does talk about God a lot. You cannot accuse the man of not mentioning God because he's all over that. Here's the thing, though. It's never really in a personal sense. Olstein talks about God, but it's always in some vague sense. There's certainly nothing distinctly Christian or biblical about it. Rather, it is an ethereal, shapeless, formless, customizable, singular being that is out there somewhere called God that functions like a cosmic vending machine whose sole purpose is to bless you and make your life better. Even when he mentions God, it's not about God. It's about what God can do for you. As I said, Osteen didn't start this whole prosperity gospel narrative. Folks were doing it over 30 years ago when I was a very young pastor. And from there, the prosperity gospel got mixed in with entertainment. Preach worldly pleasures and prosperity to the people and entertain them with a good show on Sunday morning. That was and continues to be the formula for success in many churches to this day. But I don't think any of that can be called Christian. And I dare to say that, knowing I may offend some, because we've heard together a message from God's holy word that has nothing to do with the false promises of the preachers of personal prosperity. Let each of you look not only to your own interests, but to the interests of others. Raise your hands if you were here about 16 years ago at Faith, when we as a congregation read together in its entirety the book entitled The Purpose Driven Life During the Season of Lent. Any of you remember that? You ashamed to raise your hand? Many people were mad at me when we read this book, not because Rick Warren isn't an ordained Lutheran theologian. He's Baptist, by the way. But they were mad at me because of the first line of the book. Do you remember it? If you remember it, say it together. It's not about you. That's what agitated more than a few people here at Faith. And they came to me saying, you know, I, I, it is about me. I am the center of the universe. And, and I had people thumping my chest and telling me, your job as my pastor is to make me feel better about myself. And one even went so far as to tell me that I was hired to put on a good performance every Sunday. And when I asked him if uh, Jesus' death on the cross for sinners like him and me didn't make him feel good, uh, he only got angrier. Didn't want me talking about sin either. He warned me that if I kept talking about sin, he would leave. And he did. He did. How did the church become a venue for performing pastors? When the church on earth established by Jesus has always been about Jesus and his Father in heaven, God, God's grace, God's love, God's mercy, God's compassion for sinners like you and chief among sinners like me. How did church become entertainment instead of 
digging into the scriptures and praying in the power of the Spirit about what it means to follow Jesus, even in the tough, disappointing times we all experience. Uh, Rick Warren, in The Purpose Driven Life, was simply reflecting on biblical truth with that first line. The truth we hear today, I'll say it again. Let each of you look not only to your own interests, but to the interests of others. So let's be honest. Why would a person, why would anyone, why would you want to follow advice like that? Look to the interests of others. Don't think of myself first. Spend my time, my precious time, my limited energy thinking about other people? Why would anyone do that? Well, Paul answers the question as he goes on to tell us the reason you and I might dare to live in such a radical way. Let the same mind be in you that was in Christ Jesus, who though he was in the form of God, did not regard equality with God as something to be exploited. But he emptied himself, taking the form of a slave, being born in human likeness, being found in human form. And he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. You see, it's all about Christ. It's all about the mind uh, of Christ. It's all about Jesus. It's all about the King of Kings and Lord of Lords who defines true greatness and real success. It's about obedience to God, especially when that obedience is costly. We here at Faith are anything but a perfect congregation, and those of you who've been here for a while know that I'm anything but a perfect pastor. No congregation, no pastor are without their own unique faults, their shortcomings, and their sins, and I've got plenty. But by God's grace, here at Faith, we really do seek to follow Christ and where he leads the way. We do our best, though the world would teach us otherwise, to look not just to our own self-interests, but to the interests, the well-being, and the salvation of others. This is expressed in our profound and enduring sense of mission, a mission outside our walls and the mission that goes on here within our fellowship. Our commitment to mission outside our walls is undeniable. I lovingly and yet sincerely challenge you to find any congregation in Albuquerque or in all of New Mexico that has a greater heart for or commitment to mission than Faith Lutheran Church. I say this not to boast, but to boast in what the Lord is doing among us. I know, I know, there's a few churches here and there with more members and larger budgets, but I ask you to consider if they are doing more for mission outside their walls with all that cash and all those people. And I can say this from the pulpit this morning 
Because time and time again, I'm told by the leaders of our mission partners and Christian agencies that faith is the most generous congregation with which they serve. And more than a few have said, our support is the greatest in all of New Mexico and essential to what they do. Faith's commitment to mission is truly global. But we are equally committed to the faith and discipleship of every person who calls this their home church or who would, who would prayerfully consider making this their home church. And we call this inReach. Uh, that's a typical Wednesday night here at Faith for those of you who never come. And um, we call these Wednesday evenings SALT, which means serving and learning together. Our mission is not just outside our walls, but within our fellowship. As a father and now a grandfather, I am so convinced that our children today face more challenges in their faith in Jesus Christ than I ever had to face in my youth. No one scorned me, mocked me, rejected me because I was a Christian. No one told me that I could not talk about my faith in Jesus Christ at school, on my sports teams, or in the places I worked every afternoon on weekends and in the summertime. So we do all we can in our commitment to empower our sons and daughters in their walk with Christ. And that commitment is uncompromised here at Faith. Every year, we do vital, life-changing ministry among our young people through Bible studies in which boys and girls dig deeper into God's Word. They don't come to be entertained, but they come to learn and grow and be discipled and find out about God's will for their lives. We provide retreats, time away, where young people can escape their normal duties and routines at home and in a school to think and pray and talk about their identity and their calling as God's sons and daughters. Through Vacation Bible School, we teach hundreds of children about the truth and power of God's grace in Jesus Christ and what it means in daily life to love and follow Him. And that image before you is just our daytime session from this past summer. Uh, our Pastor Watts and his outstanding team of volunteers conducted an evening session in addition to this one because so many families these days can't be a part of VBS during the regular daytime hours. And so I want to thank, from the bottom of my heart, all of you who give so faithfully and generously of yourselves in serving as teachers and guides and chaperones and helpers in our many ministries to our young people. And to all of you who are doing the same thing among our adult members as well. We have been blessed and are blessed with so many outstanding teachers and we are committed to equipping one another with solid biblical teaching and preaching. And now I want to speak with you personally, not so much as your pastor, but just Bruce, just your brother in Christ. A preacher who doesn't walk his talk, who says one thing and does another, is probably at best inconsistent and maybe a fraud or a hypocrite at worst, huh? I never ask you to do from this pulpit that which I would be unwilling to do myself. And if I dare to preach, 
on looking to the interests of others, then I'd better look to the interests of others myself, right? And that's not always an easy path to choose, is it? We're going to be making a major decision this afternoon. I have devoted no small amount of my time and energy to this for the past five years. And let me assure you, it wasn't self-interest that motivated me. I've been thinking, planning, praying about the future of this congregation all those years, seeking what is best for faith. For me personally, self-interest would dictate that I just take care of myself and give you 30 days notice when I'm ready to retire. Thinking of others, thinking of faith, thinking of you, let me tell you, it's been difficult at times. It would have been easier, a whole lot easier to just finish my ministry and not say a mumbling word about what comes next. It's taken a lot of time in study, in research, working with our outstanding leaders on the church council. And it's taken a lot of time and energy responding to every question, every email, and every concern from all the people who have bent my ear to the point where I thought it would just fall off. Folks whose biggest concern is And it's really the quintessential Lutheran concern. Oh, we've never done it this way before. (laughs) Change is really tough for many people. Believe me, (laughs) I know this. My bent ear proves it. I'm just talking with you. It would have been a lot easier not to do or say anything. Just keep quiet. Just work for another three or four years and then walk away. But I care too much for this congregation and for you and for Jerry to just look to my own interests. It would have been easier, for sure, but I don't think it would have been right. Several of my seminary classmates and pastoral colleagues who already retired in recent years uh, warned me when they heard what I was trying to do with our congregational leaders here at Faith. They said, Bruce, it's not worth it. Succession planning will take too much of your time. When in their opinion, I should be slowing down and doing less, not more, for the church. And then they told me I have to deal with endless questions and the same concerns voiced over and over and over and over again. And they were right. So they, in their own parish settings, chose to give their congregations notice they'd be retiring with one month's notice. No planning, no preparation for all the coming changes. And in every single one of those congregations, both membership and stewardship have dropped dramatically. And I'm not talking a few people, I'm talking hundreds. And I'm not talking a few dollars, I'm talking hundreds of thousands. I love faith. I love this congregation. And this love demands that I look beyond my own self-interest. It doesn't make me a better person. 
that doesn't make me a better pastor. But what matters most to me is not that all of you like me, but that God finds me faithful in what he's called me to do. That's what I want the most. Faithfulness to God as a steward of everything he's entrusted to me as a pastor in his church. Well, back to Philippians. Think of others. Look not just to your own self-interest. Serve God. Help other people. Seek the mind of Christ who emptied himself. That ain't no prosperity gospel. But it is the way of the cross. And it is the way of Jesus. So let me close with uh, Bonhoeffer again. This quote of his is one of my favorites because it's so very true. One, one act of obedience is better than a hundred sermons. In other words, it's one thing to stand and talk about discipleship. It's one thing to hear a sermon about the way of Christ. But it's another thing entirely, isn't it? To pick up your cross and follow Jesus. So how will you, how should you, look not only to your own interests, but to the interests of others? What one act of obedience might God be calling you to carry out? How will you, how will you seek the mind of Christ? In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.